Last week we finished off our Whisper series, four weeks on Whisper that will continue talking in our small groups about how to hear God speak to you because He wants to speak to you. But today we are beginning our series for the next four weeks, Relationship Goals. Relationship goals. If you're sitting beside someone you want to be in a relationship with, now's your moment just to go, this could be good. Just turn to them right now. This could be good. Direct message someone in the chat. This could be good. You know who you're talking to. In 1937, November the 1st, Harvard University commissioned a study with $60,000 that would be done every two years. They chose 268 college students to be in a long-term study. One of the students they chose was a 20-year-old John F. Kennedy. Every two years, these students would be medically examined psychologically tested, and then personally interviewed about what's happening in their life, their well-being, their relationships, and every component of their life. It is, and it's been running now for 80 years. Uh, it is the longest-running longitudinal study on human development in history. It's the holy grail of human development. And one of the doctors who oversaw this study for 40 years, for four decades, Dr. George Vallant, um, wrote a book about the results of the study that they'd done over this period of time called Triumphs of Experience. And he opened the vault into uh, the, the effects of our upbringing on our relationships and our relationships on our happiness. And he ultimately summarized this study in five simple words, $20 million study, over 80 years, and he summarized it in these five words. Happiness is love, full stop. Which is really three words plus the two bonus words. <laughs> Happiness is love. He got to the very heart or core of the human condition, and that is that we were created to be loved and we were created for relationship. God, of course, the Bible tells us that God is love. And each one of us have been created with a deep desire in our hearts to be loved by someone. And only God can ultimately fulfill that desire to be loved. And so that is how God has created us. And, and so this month, we're going to look at relationships, all sorts of relationships. We're going to look at marriage. We're going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about sex in three weeks' time. Stay here for the series. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about rebuilding trust, letting people into our lives, all sorts of different relationships. Uh, next Tuesday night, not this Tuesday, the following Tuesday night, Danielle and I are going to do our table talk on Instagram and Facebook called Finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. For that, those for you who want to be married, not Mr. or Mrs. Always Right. Mr. or Mrs. Right. If you're married to Mr. Always Right, just give him an elbow. No, don't do that right now. Hold on a moment. So we're going to have a lot of fun as we look into this world of relationships because at the core of our humanity is the need to be loved. And Jesus uh, summarized this. This is our memory verse for the month of November. John chapter 13, verse 34. It says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is the command of Christ for His followers, His people. So today, I want to talk to you about marriage. I'd like to help us gain a biblical understanding of marriage. I don't want us to get our idea of what marriage should be from a Hallmark card or a greeting card. I don't want us to get it from a movie 
I don't want us to get it from the internet, Instagram, or Tinder. I, don't, I want us to get our idea. Some of you haven't heard what that is. Ask someone later. No, don't even. I want us to get our framework for marriage from the Bible. That's what we're looking to do. Now, I understand that as we talk about this topic, I want to acknowledge that it will be, uh, for some people, it's a difficult topic. And so I don't want to not speak about it because it's so important because it will be difficult for some people. But I do want to acknowledge that it will be difficult. Maybe you've been divorced and that's still raw. Maybe your marriage is in a tough spot right now. Maybe you want to be married, but you haven't been able to find the right person. Maybe your spouse has passed away and the ache in your soul is still fresh. So if you're in those conditions today, my prayer is that the grace, the love of God will wash over you, that God will be close to you. He'll bring healing to your heart. There's also, I want to acknowledge that there'll be other people here today and you're single and you're happy and you're happy to be single and you feel great about life and you don't feel like you want to get married. And that's awesome too. The Bible's quite clear and cool about that. I don't think that there is one right or wrong way to be. And Paul talks about that. But today I want to help us get a biblical framework for marriage. The three thoughts that I want to just share with us is simply this. Number one is marriage is God's idea. Number two, marriage is a mirror. I'm going to go a little bit deep there, so just get ready for that. And number three, marriage takes work. Now, it's a little dangerous to be sharing about marriage with Pastor Danielle not here, but you'll be able to check in with her a little later on, and I'm going to be sharing at five o'clock tonight when she will be here. All right, so marriage takes work, and I'm going to give us a few practical thoughts that is going to help us today. All right, Melbourne, are you ready? Let's talk about marriage. Number one, marriage is God's idea. It's God's idea. When God created Adam in the Garden of Eden and he created the world and he, 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 he saw Adam there on his own and he saw him and he had God and he had all of creation and he had all of his beautiful food. But this is what Genesis 2.18 tells us. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And he, he created Eve. And then Jesus quoted what happened in this part of the Bible, Matthew chapter, in Matthew chapter 19, this happened in Genesis 2. He said, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is quoting what happened in the beginning of creation, that it's God's idea that a man would have a wife and that a wife would have a husband. and They'd be set up for life. And I want to draw just from those scriptures, just a few things for us to get a biblical paradigm of marriage. Number one, there's just three things that I believe God's created marriage for, for for us. The first one is for companionship. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. You need a companion. You need a best friend. Some of the advice that I would give to any young person who's thinking about who should they marry, I'll say, marry your best friend. Marry someone who you love spending time with. Marry someone who you you're enjoy being in their company. I'm, I'm very blessed that I love, uh, I love Danielle and I love her, com- her company and I love being together with her. She's my best friend. That's companionship. That's marriage. It's number two, marriage is for partnership. It's, he said, let me give you a helper who's suitable for you, a partnership. Some of you need some help in getting directions in life. Come on. 
Give me a wave if you're the person who gets directions. You get, you get the north, south, east, west thing. Come on, help me out. Come on, don't go missing on me now. You're getting all nervous. A partnership. Some, some, some people need someone to kill the spiders. Am I right? Come on, fellas, give me a wave if you're the spider killer in the house. Or Libby Sansom, if you're the, spy, the female spider killer in the house. That's all right. Some of us need ha- some help planning holidays. Actually planning the week. Planning what's going to happen in our lives. Who needs, who's got one of those as a, as a partner? Okay. Some of us need a partner to help us get in touch with our emotions. Yeah, that's me. That's me. This has been a lifelong journey for my wife. Now, some people will say, oh, John, you just need to get in touch with your feminine side. And I'll go, yes, here she is, and I'll touch her. That's, that's my feminine side. That's not me. But to get in touch with my emotions, my wife has helped me. And so partnership, two are better than one, the Bible says. But then the Bible says, but a three-chord strand is not easily broken. The power of a great marriage partnership is where God becomes part of the middle of our relationship. That's our partnership. And number three is for fruitfulness. Marriage is created, just these three things, companionship, partnership, and fruitfulness. God, God blessed them in Genesis 1.28 and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That means have families. That means multiply. That means be fruitful together. I believe God puts couples together with a purpose, a divine purpose that's not just family but has other implications. And so this is a, a big component of why God created marriage. I want us to know from the outset because uh, in society, marriage gets a hammering. It gets a beating. It wouldn't be, it'd be quite regularly I'd see something come up in my news feed of why marriage is outdated, why marriage is, is no longer. But I want you to know marriage is not outdated. It's God's plan for creation. Okay, turn to your neighbor or put it in the chat. Marriage is God's idea. All right, let's go to the next one. Marriage is a mirror. Marriage is a mirror. Okay, now let's, what are we talking about with this? Okay, I'm not talking about a mirror of yourselves. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 gives us a theology of Christian marriage. And it says this, as scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother. Probably don't need to talk to mom every day now you're married, man. Just saying. Leaves and is joined to the wife. The two are united into one. I think it's a great moment early on in marriage for a young couple to uh, create some distance between both sets of parents as they begin to create their own relationship. I think it's good if, for parents as your kids get married to kind of let them, let them go for a little while and let them go and, and just be themselves and work out who they are and, and not suffocate them because there's this leaving and cleaving dynamic. It goes on, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Marriage is a mirror of the relationship of Jesus and his church. It's a picture. Many of the world will never see or have a relationship with God, but they'll see Christian marriages And the idea is it's a reflection of God and the church, his relationship with us, that there will be oneness, that there will be sacrifice. Uh, Ephesians 5 talks to husbands, and and I want to make this clear that for, for the men, 
This, this challenge of a godly marriage starts in the, in the hands of a man. It starts as a responsibility for us to lean into. Oh, it's going to get quiet in here today. I can feel it already. <laughs> Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. The biblical mandate for the man to lead in a marriage is this. You get to die first. If someone runs through the front door, you're the one protecting. You, if someone needs to lay their lives down for the, for the, the family, it's the husband. That's, that's the biblical mandate. Now, of course, we all do. So, so here's, here's the myth of marriage. The myth of marriage is if marriage is going to completely com complete me, Jerry Maguire, and it's going to make me happy. I think ultimately there's wonderful fulfillment in marriage, but you've got to have the understanding that the way a marriage works in the way that God created it to work is that it takes sacrifice. It takes laying down our lives, time and time again, laying down our lives. So for fellas, I think what we have to do is go, is to get what I call some keystone habits. You're loving this, aren't you, Dan Bowman? It's awesome. Some keystone habits. Some keystone habits are just little things that I do regularly to lay my life down for my wife that reminds me that that's the call of God on my life first to lay my life down. So my dad did this. My dad, in the, early in the morning, I would, I would, he'd be up praying first and then he'd make my mom a cup of tea and he'd take it to her bed. And so that example for me was just a simple little habit that demonstrated a laying my life down. So that's become my ritual in my life. I make Danielle breakfast and I make her a coffee in the morning and when I bring it to her, it's, what it says to me is I've got to lay my life down. Now, am I the perfect husband? No. And she, luckily she's not here to tell you all about that. But it's a keystone habit where I'm saying I'm laying down my life. Uh, if you want to find a great spouse... Look around church at people who are serving. Because that's the, if someone can't serve others with no benefit to themselves, that's just the picture of what marriage is all about. Serving others with no benefit to me. Serving others with no benefit to me. So the idea of marriage is for both of us, male and female, that we're dying to self. We're giving. The Bible tells us this, that, that God, if Jesus is the example of marriage, and then our relationship to Christ is the example for the wives, the Bible makes it clear that what does love do? It gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. So therefore, an awesome marriage is a life where two people are committed to giving, to laying our lives down for the other purpose. Now, that's not very popular. That, and lots of people have this mindset. And I, I want, would you like to know one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my marriage? No, Gemma. <laughs> my daughter wants to know what's going on. My biggest, one of the biggest mistakes in my life in marriage has been focusing on my needs being met. We did a marriage course once and it, it messed us up because it was all about my needs, my needs, my needs, and your needs, your needs, your needs, and almost rating each other on how we're going, filling one another's needs. And as soon as I start to focus on are you fulfilling my needs and keeping a scorecard, and then building up resentment because you're not re reciprocating by meeting my needs, then I'm in trouble. Love doesn't keep a scorecard. 
Love doesn't uh, keep a tally. Love just says, I'm here to make your life better, to lay my life down for you. Here we go. Are we doing all right here this morning? Now, here's the thing your marriage won't give you. It won't give you identity. It won't give you purpose. And it won't fulfill you. Because they are things that only God can do. God gives me identity. God gives me purpose. And God's love fulfills me. So if I'm looking, here's the key. My relationship needs to be out of God's love and my relationship pouring of, of Him pouring into me so that then out of that, I can draw on the well of God's love and give into my marriage. If I get empty and start going, Danielle, I'm needy. Would you fill me? Would you be my fulfillment? Would you help me know my purpose? That's not how it's supposed to be. I have to get filled with God. She has to get filled with God. There will be seasons when both of us are empty and that's okay. And that's why we need Christ at the center of our relationship to go, Jesus, I'm empty. She's empty. We're drawing on the well on the inside and it's coming up empty. So there's a life and a well that will spring up in me and that will happen periodically. All right, we're doing good. So if, if marriage is a mirror, if marriage is a picture to the world of Christ's relationship with the church, no wonder it comes under attack because it's sacred. There's a sacredness to marriage and the devil knows that if he can bust up marriages, then he can mess up the image of God in the church and he can mess up families. And so I want to say to somebody today whose marriage is under attack, it's time to fight not one another. It's time to get on our knees and go into prayer and contend for our marriage because it's worth fighting for your relationship. All right. That's number two. Number three is this, marriage takes work. I know some guys who spend more time on their car than their marriage. I know some girls who spend more time on their shopping than their husband. Okay, just so no one's off the hook here right now. <laughs> marriage takes work. It takes work. Uh, marriage is almost counterintuitive because to have a great marriage, I need to be selfless. And my human nature is to be selfish. So I've got to work at this all the time. Now, it's worth it because it is incredibly, there's a, there's a wonderful, God created us for relationship, just as God is in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, it's not good that you're alone. You, you've got me, but you need relationship. You need love. So it's worth working at to have a great marriage. In fact, that would be my first thought in terms of your marriage is we all need a vision for our marriage. A vision. Uh, I have on my, my dream board is my goal is to have an outstanding marriage. I often say that doesn't mean me out standing in the backyard wondering what I've done wrong. That's not what it's supposed to mean. An outstanding marriage. I've got to go to work at it. I don't know if you remember, the, I don't know if you've ever bought a new house. Uh, we, we bought a beautiful house. It's just a gorgeous gift from God for us. And, and it was amazing. And for probably the first year, we just pinched ourselves. How incredible is this home? It's a gift. It's amazing. It's like it's been purpose-built for me. But you know what happened after a year? I needed to do some maintenance. I needed, like, we're not far from, we're close to the beach, so salt air destroys all the little chrome bits. And so I've got to clean up the rust. 
and, and, and then we've got to do renovations and, and then water's broken through here and we've got to fix that and there's, a, there's maintenance and renovation needed. And I want to say to you, if you're married, uh, the fact that you've got to work on your marriage doesn't mean you've got a bad marriage. It's just normal. And it might have been awesome for that first year. How awesome is this? This is incredible. Wow, it's a gift from God. And then after a while, oh, I've got some maintenance to do on me. I've got to do, go to work. So here we go. I, I think if I could help, help us with this thought today, those of you in Melbourne, let me help you with this thought. Those of you who are going to get married soon, Toby, let me help you with this right now. Just, just, just marking, just marking. I think we need to understand the difference between wants and needs. Wants and needs. Now, let, let me just explain this. Uh, the Bible, just in that verse we talked about earlier, it says, so again, this is verse 33. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So it outlines two different things. And those two different things are a reflection that men and women are made different. We're equal in value before God, but we're made different. And so that means men, as a general rule, have one set of needs, and women, as a general rule, have another set of needs. Now, they're complementary and they work together. That means that just as a plant needs water to grow, that's not what it wants. It needs it. My car needs fuel to keep going. It's not a want for my car, it's a need. And women, you girls, you have needs. And husbands, what we've got to do is go, oh, that's not just something she wants. That's a need that only I can fulfill. And if I don't fulfill it, she'll try and get that fulfilled from somewhere else. And girls, the hubbies, we have needs. I'm not saying we're needy. I'm just saying we have needs. And therefore, those, there are certain needs that you're designed to fulfill. And when we understand this, and when I make it my marriage role to understand Danielle and try and fulfill those needs for her, not so she'll fulfill my needs, just because I'm laying my life down to make, to make her life as good as I possibly can. And then when her mindset is to do the same, that's the ingredient of a great marriage. So I've, just, I've been reading something recently and it outlined three different needs for women and for men. Would you like me to share them right now? All right, and then I'm just going to touch on a couple. Women, this is, this is generic from a range of research and study over time. Women need security. This is one of three. A safe place. A, a safe place physically, a safe place emotionally, a safe place financially, a place where they can feel safe themselves. Women need affection, not sex, Affection. Warmth, gifts, careful, uh, thinking about them, love, touch, there's a whole range of things there. Women need communication. I'm going to spin back to that in a moment. They need communication. Don't want, need. All right. Men. Men need honor and respect. I'm going to speak, come back to that. Men need support, as in God said, I'm going to create a helper for you. They need support. We need to feel like we're not alone. And men need sex. Come on, don't leave me out here, fellas. It's a need, not a want. Gee whiz, I thought I'd get the biggest amen I've ever got at that moment. What is going on here? Okay, so fellas, let me, let me get, get 60 seconds to help us. Communication. 
Women have 20,000 words a day on average. Men have 7,000 words a day on average. That's the way we're wired. We have a tendency when we hear our wives sharing stuff that it's a challenge that needs to be fixed. Apparently, that's not it. (laughs) Apparently, Josh, they want us to listen, (laughs) empathize, understand, care, and not come up with a solution. (laughs) Girls, am am I doing okay here right now? <laughs> wow, okay. Put it in the chat, girls, if you're watching online, if you're happy with this. That means undivided attention, prioritization every day, even if it's just for 15 minutes to communicate. That means one of my favorite Christian speakers on marriage said, I could not remember a thing about my day. My wife would say at the end of the day, How's your day? And he'd go, Good. Same as the day before. Come on, who's got one of those husbands? Give me a, okay. So what he would do, he, would, he said, through the day, I got a notebook and I started to note interesting things that happened. <laughs> and his wife, his nickname for his wife was the blonde. So he goes, I think the blonde would like to know about that. And he'd write it in his notebook. <laughs> and at the end of the day, he'd sit down and she'd go, how was your day? He'd pull out his notebook <laughs> and he'd go, well, this is what happened and that's what happened. I thought you'd like to know communication. It's not a want, it's a need. It's a need, okay. And particularly on the listening. So let me give you one phrase, guys. Actually, I'm gonna give you two for communication. When your wife is sharing something that's been painful, it's not like, well, that wouldn't have happened if you'd... No, it's not that. It's not like, oh, that's an easy fix. It's not that. It's. I'm really sorry that happened to you, sweetheart. (laughs) Or the follow-up is, what can I do to help you in the moment? (laughs) Uh, Never have I had such enthusiasm. All right. Let's go girls for the fellas. Come on, fellas, don't leave me hanging out here. I know you want me to talk about the sex need, but I'm going to come to that in week three of this series. It needs a whole morning on its own. No, got a biblical framework, God's design. All right. Number, number one, honor and respect. Interesting that the Bible says men love your wives. Intimacy, connection, relationship, support, those things. And then it says, wives, honour your husbands. Because there is a need in men, just as there's the same need in girls for communication, there's a need in a man to know that he's your man, that you love him, that you respect him, that you see, you find the good things in him and you magnify them and you, you promote them. That, that, what that means is if he's made a mistake you let it go through to the keeper. <laughs> when, when, when some things have gone wrong and he gave it a try, it doesn't keep coming up time and time again. Okay, just, just saying. <laughs> what you do is you, you prophesy over him. 
I love it. I've watched some social media of some of the young mums in our church and I watch them just say, here's my husband and this is what I love about him and this is what he's so good at and I'm so grateful that he's a great provider or he's present with my kids or whatever it might be. And I know that every time a guy sees personal honour and public honour, something on the inside says, I can do that. I want to do that more. I want to be that kind of man that you honour and you esteem. So any, any, any of us can see the gaps. Any of us can see the shortfalls. So giving us a list of the 20 things that we can improve on in next year is not going to help us. But speaking over us what you can see that we're great at, and even if we do one thing and it's a 2 out of 10, but we were a none out of 10, just encourage us. Thank you that you had a shot at doing that. This is honour and respect. Is that, is that helping anybody today? We're made different. We're made equal. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us in a moment for God's grace to be on us. First, I'm going to just pray for those of us who, are, who this is a raw message for. And then I'm going to hand back and uh, Dan and Abby are going to pray in Melbourne. And then I'm going to pray here. So Father, for those of us today that this message brings up pain, I think because a marriage is going through a tough spot, because of the pain of divorce or separation, because of the pain of loneliness or loss, I ask for your comfort for each person. I ask that you would pour love in, that you would pour healing in, that you would pour strength in. I'm asking it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to hand back to Toby, which is beautiful in Melbourne, and get Dan and Eb to pray for you guys. We love you guys. Put your hands together for our Melbourne location. I want us to stand to our feet right now. And I really felt like God, as I prepared this week, impressed on me the power of what I'm doing this morning. I've I, I got to be honest. I, feel, I felt slightly nervous because I feel for the pain that people have. And it's like, oh, but this is going to be painful for some people. But I really felt like God said, no, I want you to elevate marriage. And I want you to elevate how I see marriage. And so this morning, I'm just going to do something. We've never done this before. But I'm going to ask if you're married, even if your partner's not here today, but if you're married, I would love to pray for God's blessing over your marriage. And so I'm going to ask if you're married and you'd like God's blessing. I'm just going to ask you, grab your spouse's hand and you just make your way down the front. Uh, if your spouse is not here today and you're married, even if things are tough but they're not here, just come down the front as an act of faith. An act of faith that God is going to work with you and for you. Some of you, your spouse is serving somewhere in church. That's okay. Just come down the front. Holding hands. Marriage is God's idea. It's a mirror of the relationship of Jesus and His church. And it takes work. All right, can we just reach our hands out? Everyone together, just reach our hands out. Father, right now, more people are coming. Keep, keep just squeeze up, move to the side. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that marriage is your idea. And God, I come today and I bless every marriage in this church in the name of Jesus. Father, where resentment has built up and there's been pain, I pray for healing to come. Lord, where trust has been broken, I pray that you would restore trust. Lord, you're the one who heals broken hearts. And I pray today where hearts have been broken, 
there'd come healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I bless. Lord, that, those words we say at marriages, what God has put together, let no man separate. Today, I declare the grace of God, the blessing of God, the strength of God in marriages. Father, I, I declare that these marriages are worth contending for. They're worth fighting for. I command you, devil, to get off the spirit of division and contention. Get off these relationships in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for your grace. Those who are married to unsaved partners, let the grace of God come into that relationship in the name of Jesus. We look to you, your anointing, your blessing, your favor. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.